0: Because nobody really thinks about the fact that when you go home and you've changed and you've had all these experiences from even just living in another city or traveling the world you are a totally different person and you go back to a world that was the world that you lived in and everybody's doing often it seems the exact same thing they were doing and you suddenly can't relate
1: sometimes people make these snap judgments about who you are based on, maybe the people you run with, uh, the sort of the, the field that you're in. Sometimes they're right. A lot of times they're right. Sometimes they're dead wrong. And that's exactly what happened with me and today's guest. In fact, she's been a friend of mine for a number of years. And when she approached me about being on the podcast, I initially said, no truth is I actually really did not understand what she was all about. Um, and that was my bad. And when I said no, instead of saying, okay, that's cool, she pushed back and in a good way. And um, she wanted to have the conversation around what she was really about and my misconception. We get into that in the beginning of the podcast and, um, and the concept of how we can really misread what's going on. And then we dive into her pretty awesome journey um, and find out how she's Being able to travel the world and do some amazing things um, and build an extraordinary career at the same time. I'm Jonathan Fields. This is Good Life Project. If you're ready to revolutionize your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads with a $100 credit on your next campaign. Terms and conditions apply. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Project, or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. So let's, let's talk about this because this is kind of interesting. How, like, how and why you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been friends for, I don't know, four years? Yeah, so I think like, it was oh, the first years. WDS. Yeah, right?
0: Yeah. You walked past me in the hall. You didn't even acknowledge
1: Oh, snubbed big time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, Jon- Jonathan, no.
1: <laughs> totally unintentional. Actually, because we had a conversation with, about that later, we right? Because you felt like really snubbed. And I was like, no, I'm just a raging introvert. And when I'm not speaking, I'm just like, I run for the hills. <laughs>
0: well, you were actually in the zone. You were heading off to speak.
1: Oh, okay. Yes.
0: And so um, I know I get it. Actually, it was blog world.
1: Oh, is that Yes,
0: and you were speaking with Leo babata I think, and you were talking uh, about like
1: another raging intro,
0: mindful and stuff. Yes, and I was like, John, no, okay, missed him uh,
1: well, <laughs> again. I know, I apologized before, but I'm <laughs>
0: no, sorry again.
1: Uh, but this is kind of interesting, right? Because we were, you had, we had a conversation a while back, and you're like, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm up to this, and you know, like I'd love to come and be a guest in here. I'm like, eh, I love mm-hmm. you, but I'm not so <laughs> sure. Um, and, and I thought the conversation that kind of like followed, um, or the beginning of that, we began a conversation that made me open up and say, well, this is actually interesting. And I think the conversation that we started to have about why I was resistant is actually a conversation that needs fleshing out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to do that. And so, so you want to, you want to kind of explore it a little bit or start? Yeah, it I'd love to, because yeah.
0: I gave a passionate response and I was so thankful for your response to it.
1: Yeah. So tell tell me what went down here. <laughs> tell, tell everyone so think, what went down
0: um, here. You know, there's in this world of digital nomads and location independent and online marketing, there's just a ton of people who are copying everybody, and it's become really highly saturated. And
1: and that's kind of what I said to you. Yes, I'm you like did. I'm like, you can't hear. I'm like, look, I love you. You're a great person, but I kind of yeah. feel like we've done the story over and over. Yeah. And
0: over. And I was like, true. Like I totally agreed with you, but I didn't feel that I fitted in with those people, and maybe that's like some sort of vision that I have of myself, but I really feel that I've been more on a quest to actually how do you live, a life of freedom and make a business fit in around that. Mm. And I think a lot of the people, even though I love them, who you were talking about, um, I didn't feel they were maybe living that truly. You know, Mm. they were working so hard and they were talking about all these things, but they weren't living it. And I feel I do that. Like, it's, I work really hard at having more freedom. Right. But I like that you push back on it because I feel that that's actually a lot of people have that perspective right now. They're like, who isn't coaching somebody how to be location independent or live the dream and all that stuff? And I don't feel like I stand for that.
1: Yeah. And that was, and I was like, huh, okay, well, let me, let me explore this a little bit deeper. But, but, you know, part of it was, um, and we have to, (laughs) this is a touchy conversation, especially for you and me, because, um, we live in a world where there's a lot of this message wrapped around us and a lot of it is coming from people that we know and love.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and, and the, the, the sort of exploration is how much of it is valid, um, versus like, this is the brand that I'm putting forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how much how much even if there are sort of public proclamations. so one of the big things people like location independent living, right, mm-hmm. so like which is kind of funny for me' because I'm like, I don't wanna be location independent I have i mean I, I have so do. many friends who like' oh the freedom that I get, and I'm like, you're living my biggest nightmare <laughs> right now. I love you dearly, but i have I want nothing to do with the way that you're living your life right now, like to me, that's not freedom that's you know. That's, it's, it's the exact opposite. I'm, I'm somebody who's, I'm rooted in ritual. I'm rooted in routine and I love having roots. Mm-hmm. Um, So you know, I guess part of it is, you know, the idea of people sort of like n- living the fact of what they're promoting is a life filled with freedom and all this other stuff. But the reality of the emotional state, the physical state that goes along with it may not really match mm-hmm. the the illusion or the brand.
0: Yeah, and I'd love to be honest here because I don't think many people want to live out of a suitcase ever. Mm. And uh and I've loved it because I do actually like the fact that I can pack up in 5 minutes and go anywhere with my whole life. However, even myself after 4 years of doing this full time, I am so looking forward to throwing down my suitcase, unpacking for like 6 to 8 weeks, which is a long time for me, and just being as you said rooted and grounded. So I know when a good thing is, you know, maybe running out and I'm looking forward to having more of a base. Where I can, as you say, get those rituals and be around my friends, and that's another version of freedom, right?
1: Yeah. So, so let's get, deconstruct the beginning of that a little bit. Also, for those who don't know you, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, the suitcase entrepreneur is sort of like the public brand. So, bring a little bit of context to that.
0: So, yeah, I I actually think I just kind of grew into my brand um, after eight years in the corporate world. Similar story. Eighteen months of building a startup, a tech startup in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I just really felt like I wanted to do something for myself and run my own business, but I didn't have any idea what it was. However, um, once I figured out what it was that I was quite good at, you know, that beautiful sweet spot that people talk about, I decided not to do what most other people do, I think, which is stay where they built their network and stay where they built their expertise. The minute I had this workshop that I ran that was really successful, I went, I wonder if I can take it, on the road.
1: So what was that workshop the first The
0: thing? workshop was the social media boot camp. I can still imagine the <laughs> logos because I had Because
1: nobody saw it. when you just do that, you kinda of like shook your shoulder. Because
0: <laughs> it. Like, it was all about exercise right, and, you know, right. energy and taking action, which is a big thing that for me is taking action. But what I loved about it was it was proof of concept, right? And instead of doing what most people would do and stay where they built up their reputation, I decided to go to Buenos Aires and see if I could turn it into an online program, which I don't actually recommend, leaving a country you're in, going to a completely new country with a different language with crappy internet and trying to launch an online program for the first time. Mm. So I think I've deliberately made it hard for myself every single time I've gone somewhere and now that's just kind of become my thing, like it challenges me and I like What's
2: that about? it.
0: I um, I like it because it pushes me more. You know, if I'd actually stayed in one place for the last four years, I think my business would be super successful, but it wouldn't be true to who I am. And I do like the challenge of change. And you know why? Because I think it makes me feel really humble and it also forces me to make decisions more quickly and it also forces me to think about different perspectives. So putting yourself in different environments does that.
1: Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think it would be super successful versus, I guess, how, how would you classify yourself as not being super successful now in, in a That's way that, that you point. would have been super successful had you stayed put and just built?
0: Because it's really hard to run a business from the road. Like, mm. it's really fun, but I'm really good at it now. But I know so many people who say when they start traveling, they can't get any work done. Mm. It's, Me uh, included, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, I love it. I can sit in a noisy coffee shop or at an airport and I am 100% focused on what I'm doing. And it only became recently kind of clear to me that most of my friends can't do that. They think it's like the special skill that I've developed. Um, also, you're moving around all the time. So at the time I was coaching clients and trying to do things online and half the time I couldn't even get online uh, or I didn't have decent infrastructure, a quiet place to interview people, all those things. So just at the time, I think probably when I needed that, I made it super challenging for mm. myself.
1: But at the same time, I mean, that, like you said, the fact that you were going from place to place to place was proof of concept.
0: Exactly. So it's kind of
1: like somebody can look at your life and say, okay, she's actually building a substantial business. You know, like she's, Paying her rent and well, wherever it may be or <laughs> not really rent or whatever, you know, whatever you're, you know, you're living well. You're not racking up massive amounts of debt. In fact, mm-hmm. um, from what I remember from a recent post of yours, it's just yeah. the opposite.
0: Yeah. I'm, I think I've saved more money from not having a, you know, a fixed place and all those costs that suddenly come when you move into a place, like looking around here. I mean, this is beautiful, but. know, my running costs versus yours, probably substantially (laughs) different, right? Don't have mortgage payments, don't have car payments, don't have internet, all those things. Um, And it really struck me that, wow, you actually can, you know, save money and then invest it into the right places when you're living quite freely on the road. Mm. Yeah. But maybe there's a cost um, mentally and physically as well that I'm definitely starting to see.
1: So talk to me about that.
0: Uh, I think mentally, it um, well, actually mentally I really like it. As I said, I still like the challenge, but it's definitely tiring. And it's the mental cost of leaving really good friends behind or mm. potential relationships behind or not being able to develop those friendships as much. It's the mental cost of, oh, my gosh, I have to plan for myself every single day. You know, like where am I staying? Where am I traveling? Where am I going next? Where's the local convenience store? Where do I get good internet, et cetera? Nah. Um, and then the physical cost is definitely, I mean, I have a lot of energy, which I'm really thankful for, but I've even noticed that I've been close to burnout, especially when I was launching my book last year for the first time ever. And I think I was just trying to be Superwoman by having a crazy travel schedule, trying to launch a book by myself and changing location the whole time. And it was a little bit much.
1: Mm. You know? uh, how much of it do you, do you think um, was influenced by the crowd that you run with? And, and, See, and what they may or may not have done like at all. Run
0: with a crowd. Like I just, I just love my community. Right. So maybe my community influenced me because they're always saying how it's crazy and cool, and you know maybe they don't want to do it, but they really love what I do, and that sort of eggs me on to do more of it. Because um, most of the friends that I know, you know, they're based in one place, even though they're location independent. Mm. So I think it was just influenced by me, really. I just sort of when I love something and I'm passionate about it, I really do want to work on it all the time.
1: Right. Um, So how do you feel about roots?
0: Well, somebody said if you had to live somewhere for the next year, where would it be? And I was like, oh, my God, that's such a long time. (laughs) Like that, it doesn't scare me. It just seems such a long time. And I think it's not the FOMA fear of missing out. I think that's been around for a lot longer than before they labeled it. But I do have so many good friends and experiences around the world now that I feel when I'm in one place, I get to experience that fully. And then I want to move to the next to make sure that I'm getting to experience that as well. So roots, to answer your question, I am really looking forward to this next chapter because my plan is to be in places for three months, three months, three months, and actually Mm. set up some bases, which is going to be really new for me. But I think it's about time and I'm looking forward to it. So then I can tell you how I feel about Mm.
1: roots. Ah, Right. From the inside looking out. What is your business exactly?
0: That's a great question. Do you know, I put that, I just put it out in a video recently. How do I make money online? Because mm-hmm. um, I know
1: people ask me all the time, they're like, you do what? And Yeah. I, how do you pay your rent? <laughs>
0: um i actually have eight revenue streams and i heard that millionaires have seven so i don't know what that means for me maybe i'm a little unfocused and i've just started cutting a few out so it started with the workshops and then i've continued to run them around the world but they've morphed over time Uh, and And what's the focus of this uh build your online business so i've actually run them in seven different cities across um, four different continents this year which was really amazing and that is really how do you build the foundations of a profitable online business you can take anywhere. Um, So they've been really amazing because I love meeting people in person. And uh, the other revenue streams are a couple of digital books that relate to the BYOB series um, from beginner through to kind of more advanced. Mm -hmm. And then I have, um, you know, I do recommend products and programs because I can't live without them. My whole life is on my laptop and mobile. So I'm always talking about tools and systems and accessories. And so affiliate marketing has been Um, actually a really lucrative revenue stream, which I never used to like the word and everything like that. Mm. I used to shy away from it. Um, My book has led to, nobody makes money on a book. I guess you do when you self-publish, but it's led to just so many opportunities and a huge increase in my community. And then to paid speaking gigs. Um, I also run a high flyer club. It's a membership-based site for established entrepreneurs. And I'm just launching the Freedom Plan, which is like my definitive every single thing I know from the last four years of running a business and having a great lifestyle. So it's pretty, it's all aligned, like it's all aligned perfectly. And a lot of it's on autopilot, which is great, but I still have realized that I love the active aspect of meeting people and learning from them and teaching them and coaching them.
1: So, which, which is really interesting also, because um, there's a huge push uh, in the world that we tend to exist in to um, commoditize your knowledge Mm-hmm. and somehow put it online so mm-hmm. that it's scalable and it's autopilot and it's out there 24/7 and if that actually works for you on a personality on a like you know what you need from your business too mm-hmm. beyond cash like what else does your like the way that you contribute to the world and you know the way that you get people exchange value for you i think a lot of people look at it and say well of course this is the thing i need to do and you know like if i have something to teach then what I need to do is basically pull it out of my head, turn it into a commodity, mm-hmm. and figure out how to put it online so it's just up there for sale, twenty four seven. And it, it can be a valid revenue stream. It can be a way to uh, you know, like su- sustain yourself. But at the same time, I, I see a lot of people doing that who are people who love nothing more than to be in a room with other people. Yeah,
2: that's, that's funny what enough.
1: lights them up, mm-hmm. and they. You kind of buy into the online revenue stream or automatic revenue stream thing because, and it's great. It evens cash flow. It does all this stuff. You know, I I I build programs at a virtual, um, but if fundamentally the thing that fills you up more than anything else is being in a room with people, I've seen a number of people go into the world of online entrepreneurship, build what the world would consider a successful venture, and be miserable because now they've stopped doing the thing that they actually love doing more than anything else, which is mm-hmm. being with people.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is why I would say 50% of my revenue streams are active, like fully active, like group coaching calls, meeting people in person, retreats. That was the last one I didn't throw. And I'm throwing one in Barcelona this year, which was amazing. And then I'm throwing one in New Zealand. I'm actually dragging a whole bunch of people to come to paradise. So Mm. I've just noticed this repetitive thing for me that I need to be around people. And uh, my community is everything to me. Mm. I love them. What's that about? I get energy from giving energy to people and off people. And its I think it's because every single time I get an email, you know what it's like. Every single time you get somebody saying, oh, my God, I'm so excited to join your community. I've been following you from afar or I love your work or I love that you're down to earth or you've inspired me to do this. I mean, it's just like kind of like, It just feels so good, right, because you're giving and giving and giving. Um, And you can give too much, which I also noticed recently. I gave away too much of my energy to other people and I forgot to give it back to myself. Mm. But it's just, it's like warms my soul. I can't describe it. And so when people are like, oh, you're always online, and I'm not always online, but when I'm online, it's because I'm connecting, 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 and I'm obviously a connector. People give me energy and I um, I love learning about their story and I love helping them to live their best life.
1: So why settle? Live up to the all new Lexus GX luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What was it that made you feel like you had given away too much of your energy? What what unfolded, and how did you That's how did you fix it? Great
0: question. Uh, so I was actually supporting a, a mutual friend, probably Kyle Durand, mm. a good friend of Pam's, limbs, sure. and, um I was supporting him on his sixth Ironman, like crazy guy that he mm. is. And we were up in Whistler, and I spent about from. When I got up at 4 a.m. with them to midnight, just supporting people who were on the Ironman, especially car, we were racing all over the tracks and running and cycling. And then I was actually pumping water at people like with a Mm -hmm. big, like it was awesome, a water gun for about five hours straight and yelling and supporting. And I got to the end of that day and I woke up the next morning and I couldn't move. Like everybody else who just done the Ironman was running around and I was just exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I think that was putting it over the edge for all the energy that I'd given out over the last probably seven months on the road this year of going to about 15 different countries plus everything else.
1: So um, so what did you do? Uh,
0: I decided that I needed to rest. So I think I just went to the lake and I chilled out. I got more sleep. I fed myself better. Um, I just gave myself some space and everybody else went off and did stuff and I just had some time alone.
1: Mm. Which which also brings up another interesting question, which is when you... you're So you, you live a life where you're kind of in constant motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and country to country, to country, country, to country, uh, self-care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Missed the boat on that one. A little <laughs> bit. No, I mean, I'm really good. I love sports and I love being active. So wherever I am, I'm doing something, yoga, meditation, running, swimming, gyms, whatever I can do. And of course, ultimate Frisbee, which, you know, I love mm-hmm. and you can pretty much do that anywhere. So, um, that's my form of self-care to me is to get exercise in that kind of satisfies my soul. And I also despite the fact there's lots of lovely stuff out there, I do eat pretty well. Um and always having water and stuff. So
1: (laughs) Ignore all the Instagram photos of cheesy Mm -hmm. fries and uh.
0: (laughs) Wait, I haven't seen any of those on my Instagram. Um no, I think I I do a pretty good job of taking care of myself. I just what I hadn't realized is how much energy I was giving out. And that's something you can't quantify. That's not exercise or food. You know, that's like something that you just you give naturally.
1: Mm. So Tell me a little bit about um, who's the person who's in the community that you're growing?
0: In my community that I'm growing? So exciting. So I I just ran this pilot program of my freedom plan and there were 34 people and they're just all so excited. Like I honestly didn't think it would be as fantastic as it was, um, and even though people got stuck during what I was teaching and coaching along the way, they were all like, "Yeah, but I had this aha moment here, or I've been stuck on this for years, and finally I got through it." Or they even just figured out what their sweet spot was, or the the vision that they have for their business and life. So I love the painted picture exercise, and people kind of got stuck on that, but they got so much out of it. And even though there was like all these things that went on after that, they were just so excited to share that, and they shared it with everybody. So I feel like. Everybody in that program is growing, even though some of them have been in business for years or have been kind of putting this off for such a long time.
1: So, but who is, I mean, what's the avatar for that? Who's, what are they, what's the person's That's life great, look like?
0: Great. What's the person of what?
1: What does their life look like?
0: Their life doesn't look that great right now. They're like, you know, they've been making excuses and procrastinating for a long time, which... I totally get right i totally get it even though i don't do it because i take a leap and then i ask the questions but um for them they've just been half-heartedly living so they know they have potential and they know they have the skills and knowledge that they could form it into something that would work talk about monetizing yourself or building a real business Um, but they've just been scared uh, and they really haven't had a clear vision for what an amazing life and business looks like and is fundamentally, I think, the thing that stops everybody. So if I asked you tomorrow what your ideal day looks like, I think you'd be the kind of person who could tell me. right? Mm. But I asked every single one of these people, and some of them were just like, I'd get up a little bit later before I went to work. And I was like, no, Mm. if you could do anything in the world that you wanted tomorrow, no holds barred, like nothing, no limitations, what would you do? And then they start thinking about it, and they're like, actually, I'd love to have a healthy breakfast. I'd like to wake up by the beach. I'd like to do yoga with my dog. And how often does anybody ask you what's your perfect day? And are you close to living that? So that's, if that's the biggest thing that they get out of the freedom plan, then I know I've done my job. Just to wake up their senses and understand what's possible and then start working towards making it a reality.
1: Mm. So listening to you, obviously, even though um, you started out in uh, Canada, you're not Canadian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody, eh? Not Canadian, eh? No, I'm from New Zealand. This beautiful place where we do actually have TV and we don't wear grass skirts.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Not according to the people I know. Who've been there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's less sheep than there ever were, actually, by the way.
1: So tell me what it's like growing up in New Zealand.
0: Best place in the earth to grow up, I think. Seriously. Like, I look back now, and I'm so lucky. When I left New Zealand, I think I just kind of walked into this world that I didn't know, especially going from New Zealand to London, where it's very traditional old boys club. How and, old were you? Um, well, I've been there several times since the age of two. But when I went first to, like, go and live there, it was... I was already in my late 20s. Mm. Uh, but Had you travel
1: much before that? I
0: traveled a ton, yeah. Oh. I was really lucky. So both my parents are from Europe, and so since the age of two, I think they just used to take my sister and I around the world because it was free to travel up until 12. So I think I'd seen more of the world by 12 than a lot of other people. Um, but there's something different when you travel by yourself. Yeah. And New Zealand's just such a free place. Like The people are so friendly. That's what I always hear. But we also have really strong female role models there, prime ministers, governor generals. were the first country in the world to get the right to vote for women women and it's very equal as a society and i think i just grew up thinking that was like what the rest of the world was like Mm. and it's not in many cases so i feel very fortunate to have grown up in a society where i felt i could do anything went to an all-female school and they told you you could do anything my dad told me i could be whatever i wanted and so i've always taken that sort of attitude that yeah i can do anything and so can anybody else and then you realize in the real world that not many people get that same kind of upbringing (laughs) Yeah.
1: So when was the first time that you remember um, this switch of sort of um, or a lack of empowerment for women being something that was unique to New Zealand and the rest of the world maybe didn't embrace it?
0: I think it was probably when I went on my first solo sort of around the world trip and I went through a lot of Europe, a lot of South America and then home. and. Every single country that I was in, I was like, why are all the guys gambling on the side of the road and not doing stuff? And why are the women, I mean, this is a big generalization, but literally everywhere I went, I was like, why are the women working so hard in these kind of roles and doing this stuff? And why are the guys standing around being macho? And that may sound really horrible, but honestly, if you go to Africa, for example, it's pretty much all you see all the time. It's, it's crazy, and I'm not trying to generalize too much. It was really very apparent to me suddenly that there was gross um inadequacies i guess in the roles that the gender's played
1: was there any any one instance that you remember or one thing that just kind of like lit a fire for you and said this is something's not right here
0: yeah i think yeah it's a great question actually um i think it was even just some of the european countries i can't even put one thing on it but and we talked about this briefly in the email that i sent you just when you're a woman and you look around you can just see it more. I don't know if I'm more sensitive to it, but I have a real thing about it now and I'm trying to be grateful about um, the roles that we play and and because I have so many great guy friends around the world but it's just it's in your face it's the little things like oh I was um I was at a gym the other day and I went to pick something up and the guy's like, oh no, you won't be able to do that and I was like, well I just did it on the previous round you know like it was just little things and I don't think it's people being mean it's just this, I can't even just—it's just a perspective of how people are in the world and what they think their roles should be, mm-hmm. um, and definitely in Europe, you know, Spain. As much as I love that country, it's one of my favorite countries. There's a real gender imbalance there as well, um, and you know, women are starting to come up the ranks there, but it's very much ingrained in society. That's your role. That's what you do, and we do all these other things. And I just find that so. I get it, and I can wrap my head around it now. But for the longest time, I just wanted to rebel against it.
1: Mm. So
0: turned into a gender rights issue right I,
1: I, I, but, but it's interesting right because um that's not what i know you for
0: no it's not
1: but when you yeah, you know, like so i can see you when we're talking like people hear it. i'm sure they hear it in your voice but i can mm-hmm. see your your whole physical orientation just change when you're talking about it. it's like you get riled up mm-hmm. does, does this is this something that you you see as potentially playing a more central role as you move forward with anything or is it just
0: yeah i think so i mean we talk briefly, I think in the online world, it's probably the thing that's riled me up most because mm. there's a predominance in my little location dependent world and online marketing of a lot of men, sure. a lot of internet marketers. A lot of people without integrity, which is something that really frustrates me. Um, and I think you you just see it all the time. And these people being ridiculously successful or egotistical or arrogant, and they're not making a real impact, and they're not really delivering anything of value. So maybe it's it's come a lot out of the last four years of battling, I feel, in that field. Um, but I talk to other women who are in, online, and they're like, I don't feel I'm battling. They just I just ignore them. Whereas I take a lot of it personally, because I see it, and I want it to be better. I don't want it to be... Unequal playing ground, and I want them to be better versions of themselves as well. The, um, the men or the women? The men, actually, hmm. yeah, a- and the women. Like I wrote a post recently that was why women need to stop getting in their own way because I honestly think we do. Um, but there's a whole side of it as well that is contributed to by men that I see. So all
1: right, so now you have to share some of what you said in that post.
0: <laughs> uh, I think with women, um, you know, I love. Okay, here's the biggest thing that I see with women. We don't promote ourselves enough, Mm. which is precisely why I kind of emailed you and stood up for myself because when I was doing a book launch in Toronto, um, here's one moment that I was just like, wow, all these people lined up to actually – you know, get my book signed, which was a beautiful moment. I was like, all these people are here for me. And every woman who came up, every single woman would say, oh, hi, Natalie, I'm really excited by your work. And I've been reading your blog. And they wouldn't share anything about them. They'd talk about why I was lovely, which is great. And then I'd have to ask them, you know, what do you do? And what are you excited about? And where are you heading? Uh, The guys would come up and go, Natalie, great talk, great book. So I've got this thing that I'm working on, you know, Mm -hmm. straight away into pitching. and, And I love that about them. I love that they're straight up and they're like, here we are. Um, and I then I see women sort of standing in the corner often talking about why won't they promote me or why won't they do this or why don't I get in front of these people? And I'm like because you're not necessarily taking action and choosing yourself um, and stepping up and telling people the value that you provide or the good things that you do because I think a lot of women don't like the sales aspect of that or they feel it's not in line with their values or they feel um, sleazy about it or something rather than focusing on the impact they want to make.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up a phrase earlier when you're talking about, um, well, the men in in, men, internet marketers, which is out of (laughs) of integrity. Um, but so I'll share something, which is kind of interesting about, about, um, about this series, which is that, you know, like part of my mission is I work really hard to try and make sure that I'm featuring a lot of women because I'm, I'm the dad of a daughter and, Mm -hmm. and I saw the same massive shift and it's not just in our world. It's in mainstream media. It's everywhere. It's, it has nothing to do with the fact that women aren't starting businesses and being like great at as an art, artists, makers, creators, you know, whatever it may be, it's that um, there's the spotlight doesn't shine nearly as often or as brightly on them. It doesn't mean always. It just means, and it's the fact. And that's kind of like, well, you know, I have to <laughs> be part of the solution. I can't just sit here and bitch mm-hmm. and moan about it. So, um, but what's been really interesting for me is that. um it has, from day one, it has been a substantially bigger challenge for me to bring women on the show than men. Um, we have to work so much harder to book women. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's not that I don't have a list that's equally, if not longer, of women who I love to have conversations with. It's that we're pitched on constantly by men and men's publicists. Thank you know, you. Like we have yeah. a line of people who <laughs> want to show up on the show who, who are men. Mm-hmm. and And we're also pitched but n- with nowhere near the level of frequency by women and publicists representing women mm-hmm. and um so we have to get a lot more proactive and and I've actually asked a number of people I'm like w- w- number of women I'm like what's what's this why Yeah,
0: why do you think that is right
1: because i'm I really <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying. <laughs> You're
0: doing an amazing job.
1: And um, it, it, so it's been a fascinating experiment or experience for me to be on this side of trying to build a venture and a media channel that really, you know, is as neutral to you know gender as mm-hmm. possible or, or as complementary. And um, and finding that struggle that I, I absolutely did not expect to emerge in any way.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I probably would have expected it to emerge. I was just recently at a Well
1: everyone I've talked to has would have said like <laughs> duh <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm like being on yeah, the other side. It's just like um, it was near to me. I
0: was gonna say I was recently at a podcast movement conference where I hosted a women's podcast panel. It's actually the first woman related thing I've done. And I tried to include as many men as possible and invite them along because we we're actually talking about podcasting in the future and mm. things. Um, but when I have recently been interviewed on a lot of guys' podcasts or over the past year and they've Almost 90% of the guys have said, oh, you're my first female guest. Hmm. And I've gone why (laughs) and they're like well i don't know many other women and i was like i'll give you a list (laughs) like Mm -hmm. straight away men and women but it blew my mind and i think it's once again because guys are approaching them going hey and they're seeing other guys who do a great job of it and hats off to them and women have more of a nurturing nature and you know they often provide i know men provide for women but women provide for everybody else right they feel they should nurture other people or push them or give them the opportunity i think that was also what i spoke about my post like use that has a strength, say that you're going to be able to nurture people by having a bigger message or being able to scale or reach more people,
1: yeah. And by the way, um, you guys can tell we're recording this in New York City now. As <laughs> you hear the sirens in the oh, background, man, the sirens there's no extra crazy. charge for those. Now on her way over here today, she showed me like a picture when she walks in the door, which is a uh, a flipped over taxi <laughs> cab,
0: brand uh-huh. new, right outside an apartment building. Crazy. I wonder if they just turfed their passengers out into the hallway.
1: Oh, yeah, that is nuts, but sadly, like, yeah, it's New York City, anyway. Mm. Um, but you just said something, which is I can show you a list.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: but so here's the challenge though. Um, I have a list. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not even. It's like so. My question to you is, if you showed me that list, and then like you know, I or any one of those those male podcasters reached out and said, "Be on the show. I would love to have a conversation with you." What happens? Like, because for me, um, a lot of times, you know, like if it's a, a list of guys, you know, like ninety percent of be like, oh, "What time can I be there?" Yeah. Um, but, and, and I would have thought it would have been pretty similar for women. And it's just mm. been my experience that a, f- a very small percentage of those women, if I reach out to them, would be like, well, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Um, and
0: oh, I wonder why that is like, I, if I had an opportunity to speak to you, I would. So that's why I'm here. But, um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that is straight. I mean, unless they have families and they have huge commitments. But you know, somebody actually to men-
1: mentioned to me, who's fairly high profile women. Cause I was talking to her about this. Um, and she said that in the world that she lives in, um, every time that she steps in front of a TV camera or on a microphone, well, especially on the visual media and um, that there is a, a really strong likelihood that she's going to be attacked. Oh really? And not just because of what she says, but because of her potential quote, aggressive nature mm-hmm. because of what she chose to wear because of like all these cosmetic external or, you know, like supposedly unfeminine um you know like maybe things about her demeanor which is and so she's like you know so she said in her experience she's much more selective and careful about how and where she appears publicly in the media because she feels that the likelihood of her being attacked um for all sorts of things that she can or can't control Mm -hmm. is significantly higher where like a guy shows up Nobody's going to attack him. Nobody's going to, you know, he's not going to be on, you know, celebrity websites or TV shows for, like, how could you wear those shoes? Or I mean, it's just, yeah. so there's a, a real double standard in terms there of is. how we evaluate men and women who put themselves out as public figures. Mm
0: hmm. I got, um, I mean, the last time I was in New York, it was a really amazing experience. I got picked up in a limo and I got put up in a beautiful hotel and I got put on Yahoo Finance on a video. And they named the article and the video, Why I Choose to be Rich and Homeless, which is a little controversial in itself. I mean, that's actually kind of, I am homeless. But what fascinated me is I stopped reading the comments after maybe 10 or 12. But they were just ridiculous comments because all these people maybe had never heard of me. And uh, they were judging on, you know, there was two reactions. Wow, that's awesome. I'd love to live her life. She seems really cool. Lots of fun. I'd love to join her on her travels. And the other one was, you know, who does she think she is? She's not really doing this. Her blog's not even been updated because they were looking at my normal website. And how does she even make money? And look at her hair and just like stuff. And I was like, what the heck has this got to do with you choosing a life that you really love? So um, it was just really fascinating to see that divide for people who had never met me. But I don't I don't honestly care what they think. I care what people think. But if they've never met me before and they had no prior judgment, I'd probably look at that and go, who does this person think they are? Mm. Um, but to come back to that fact, I will never not say something if I think somebody's going to judge me on my shoes. Or I mean, I'm wrinkled half the time because I live in a suitcase, right? <laughs> like, clearly, I'm not going to turn up looking pristine. But that is that is a really sad, sad fact that what we say isn't the thing that people are looking at. It's how we look and how we dress.
1: Yeah. its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
1: When I sat down with Brene Brown, um, I guess probably about two years ago, you know, we kind of get into this conversation and, and, and she brought up this point. She's like, you know, how much, how much beauty, how much grace, how much creativity, how many amazing things are not put out into the world because, um, of fear of being judged for what's going to come back to us when mm-hmm. it gets put out into the world. And it's, you, you just think about it. You're like, how much bottled up grace is there, you know, in billions of people's, you know, like little locked down clamped capsules that never sees the light of day. <laughs> so simply because we're terrified of um of how people are gonna judge us.
0: You just gave me a visual of the, you know, the little boat and a bottle. Mm, kept yeah. just floating out to sea drifting and all that goodness locked up in there. Um yeah, it's a very, very true point. And I don't quite know how to help it more mm. so than just be myself, um, and keep putting stuff out there and challenging people to you know, truly go after their dreams, right. which always sounds naff, right? But life is so short and in New York. When you get here, you realize that as well. So you might as well just live your best life and do it in your own terms and not worry about what other people are judging because haters will be haters. Potatoes will be potatoes. I saw that on an image the other day and I laugh my head It It's just so funny.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so you had out of, out of, uh, you know, do you have brother, sisters?
0: I have one older sister.
1: And and what is she up to? She She uh, just had a baby
0: (laughs) seven weeks ago. Uh, She lives in a house with real stuff and a lot of stuff in her house, actually. Um, Are are your
1: parents still in? uh, They are
0: still in Wellington, New Zealand. Right.
1: And, And do you ever have conversations with them? about sort of like the lifestyle that you're choosing now?
0: Uh, well, luckily they're the best people in the world cause they love to travel. So they mm. get it. And, uh, since my book came out, my mum read it. I think she finally understands what I do. <laughs> um, and they're an awesome part of my life. Like dad came to stay with me in Japan this year when I was traveling and he came out for two and a half weeks and we spent amazing quality time together. We were cycling, we did karaoke. We, it was just amazing. Um, he's 77 and he's incredible and I just had the best time. So I think they're really understands me and they understand what I'm doing. They're definitely keen for me to come home and stay a little bit more. There's little hints from time to time like maybe you could get a base here and buy an apartment. Uh Wouldn't that be lovely? (laughs) Uh, But something switched to me when I found out that my sister was pregnant and when I I got to see her on Skype the modern day age with her baby and I was just like, man, I want to be home now. Like It was really real and right in my heart. I was kind of like, I've got to be there. I want to see her as a mother. I want to meet my new nephew and I want to see my parents as grandparents. So I'm super excited about this next stage because I think it'd be interesting to go back and and see them all in this environment and see how that makes me feel about roots, as we right. were talking about earlier.
1: So, where are the um, the places that you've chosen for your 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 long term experimentation my... <laughs> of uh, an entire three months?
0: <laughs> the ideal plan is Australasia. So most likely New Zealand for three months. Summer in North America, I'm definitely very keen on Austin having just been there, but I also love San Diego and Manhattan Beach. Um, and then somewhere in Europe, most likely something like Barcelona. Um, I also, you know, love Italy and France. So basically it's Australasia, North America, Europe, new country, rinse and repeat. That's the mm. ideal excited by it
1: it sounds like a pretty good idea <laughs>
0: you
1: know it's so funny because i look at that and on the one hand i'm like yeah that sounds really great and on the other hand i also know about myself because we've done a bunch of experiments you know like we spent a month and a half basically living and working in Bali with them, um, mm-hmm. with my wife and my daughter and um and it totally didn't work for me really yeah i was working on a book at the time and um besides the fact that it was, you know, like 103 degrees and 100% Mm -hmm. humidity in the middle of the country the whole time, weren't really, and I melt in heat. Um, (laughs) we should should kind of plan that a little bit, but, um, it it was the, my creative process really requires, I was surprised by this, a fair Mm -hmm. amount of ritual. I can drop into anywhere. I can, I can be writing anywhere. I can be in a cafe, it can be noisy everywhere. It can be, but I do a lot better if I'm at, like if I, you know, from nine to 12 every day, I have mm-hmm. that place to go, even if there's madness going all around me while I'm there, like there needs to be a basic framework
2: mm-hmm. for
1: my creative process. Um, and I find that when I'm traveling, the reason I, I cut back on a huge amount of travel this year and said no to a ton of speaking, um, largely because this is a huge creative year for me. Mm-hmm. And I learned last year, last year was my year of saying yes to speaking. Okay. And so I, I ran an experiment. I kind of said in my mind, I said, okay, you know what? I've always assumed that if I was on the road a fair amount and speaking a fair amount, it would be massively disruptive to my my creative process, my health, my mindset, and my family life. But I'm also, I'm a huge um, proponent of experimentation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you don't get, stop having the conversation in your head. Respond, whenever you have an opportunity to respond to data instead of self-talk, respond to data. And I realized I hadn't actually, I've been responding to self-talk the whole time. I never tested it. Hmm. So... So I basically started – I said, you know, I'll say yes to almost anything that's well aligned. And I spent a lot of time traveling last year and a lot of time speaking. And by the – the I think it was August of last summer, I found myself in a hotel room in Munich, Germany, um, without internet and away from my family for five days mm-hmm. and um, on deadline for creating stuff, unable to really – right not sleeping all that well and missing my family terribly Mm -hmm. and it was like i remember the moment i'm like i'm done i said i ran this experiment for the first eight months i no longer have to respond to data i know my answer Mm -hmm. um so but but you're you know the experiment that you're about to move into is something that intrigues me because the idea of not being sort of persistently nomadic but saying i'm kind of i'm going to kind of actually live somewhere for three months you know, let's rent a house or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So actually like, because then you can build the ritual, you can build the routine. Um, and you know, so you keep it going for two, three, four months. That's actually really fascinating to
0: me. That's going to be exciting. I think, um, definitely. And I had a moment like yours two weeks ago, uh, when I was stuck in the airport and, the flight was delayed and it was just all the stuff and I was like, I'm done. Like I adore flying. I still find it exciting like a kid, but it get to a point where I was like, I'm just sitting on a giant bus in the sky and that's when it's not so cool. So I'm looking forward to actually taking more of a break from the travel aspect to enjoy it again. So kind of reignite the love for it and the passion that you have for it. Hmm. Yeah.
1: So we know you like to be around people. What else lights you up?
0: Dogs and nature. I'm such a dog freak. So,
1: three things people, dogs, and nature.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Almost all my Instagram feed is like me just patting a dog on the street. Or, yeah, I really want to do house sitting and dog sitting a lot next year. And nature is huge. So, I've realized my non negotiable is being by water or close to it. Mm. It lights me up. I think it gives, it has this natural energy that people recognize it. So they love to be in the ocean or by a lake or by a river. So that's what I'm seeking out more of next year. More time with great friends and family, more time with animals who just make me feel amazing and more time in nature.
1: Yeah. Nature is a huge reset for me too. And water also. So
0: much of it here in uh, New York city.
1: We're we're on on an island surrounded by it. But that's one of the things that keeps us here actually, because we've looked at moving to, you know, like we looked at North Carolina, we looked at Boulder, came really close to Boulder. Mm. I love Boulder. Um, but I grew up, I'm a water kid. I grew up on, on Long Island, on a peninsula. I was East Egg from the Great Cats, Port Washington. And, um, the end of my block was the beach. Mm-hmm. And it was, that's where I went to touch stone. If mm-hmm. I was upset, if I just needed to just like think wherever it was, I'd go down and I would just climb up onto the lifeguard house and just sit and watch the water or just walk through it or whatever it is. It's, um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How how deeply wired into that that can be because I thought I'd have no trouble leaving it. And when I went to a beautiful place like Boulder, um, like a weekend, I'm like, nah.
0: no, Aren't there lots of lakes up there though? There are. And there's
1: Boulder Creek, but, um, it's, it's not, not the same. The same. Water. It mm-hmm. just, it doesn't, yeah, it's I don't get the same hit.
0: Um, I think about Wellington, New Zealand where I'm from, it's just a natural Harbor and you're flying over and you come into the city and it's just all water. Same mm. with Auckland and all the islands. I mean, we're literally an island. But it's really important. You're lucky you have Central Park. It's a pretty incredible park in the middle of the city. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: No, and I think where we are, you know, we're saying it's two blocks between the Hudson River and then two blocks the other way is Central Park. And I think that's the that's the saving grace for New York. I don't think yeah. New York would be livable mm. without Central Park, actually. No.
0: I just, even arriving today... It just the energy just goes out of you straight away, you right. know. Like there's the constant breaking of the taxis and the honking and the sirens, and just as this frantic energy, which I used to love when I came here, but now it's kind of you get here and I'm like, Ooh, just need to be mm. by the water.
1: Yeah, no, mm. I'll often go out really early in the morning um, and walk, Smart. just walking in Central Park <laughs> um, before it gets looking a, you know, a little bit crazy with all the people. But yeah, it's where it's kind of quieter and more peaceful and. For those of you who haven't been to Central Park, by the way, in New York City, it's like the size of many cities, actually, oh, the park amazing. alone. It's massive, massive greenery. Um, You can really get lost in it if you want, but... Yeah, it's
0: what time's it, early, by the way? Like, how early do you have six. to be there? Six. Okay. Yeah,
1: I've actually been, <laughs> I've actually been walking in Central Park at like five thirty in the morning and had somebody run by me, stop, turn around. And you go, Are you Jonathan Fields? <laughs> and you're just like, and I'm, like, I'm oh. really not that famous. Trust me. You're like, I'm just like some you know, like schmucky guy on the Upper West Side in New York City. I'm like, <laughs> really? Did somebody le- like legitimately just recognize me at five thirty in the morning in Central Park from my blog or the web show or everything like that? Is bizarre. That's um, really awesome. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of that's that's the time you have to find me if you're okay. <laughs> excellent. Um, totally with you on the nature thing though. And uh, so, how do you take that with you when you're traveling all the time? Also,
0: mm, that's a good question. I think I I definitely choose destinations where I'm in nature. So, um, that's one thing. Or you know, as I say to people when they're doing the perfect day exercise, if you don't live by the beach, can you get to a swimming pool? I mean, even the swimming pools kind of excites me I, to go diving in there and do handstands and stuff. So I just try and make it happen wherever I can. And you'll be surprised. Like I walk around a lot of cities or new destinations on foot and you can you can find kind of a peace and tranquility mm. just from walking on foot. A little hidden alleyway or a little private garden. Um, and there's almost always something that you can kind of get back to nature on.
1: Yeah, there's mm-hmm. actually in New York, there's one of the, the big secrets in New York is that all over New York are hidden gardens, Ooh, like really? little tiny gated gardens and neighborhoods oh. all over the city. Very often you need to key, like, okay. but a lot of times also, if somebody is in, the, they'll just kind of bring you into it. But there's beautiful little tucked away gardens between buildings all over the city.
0: Like you see in the movies. Pretty all much those
1: romantic movies. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what? Speaking of water, um, it's kind of interesting because you're talking about the ocean. I just, we just came back from vacation where we were mm-hmm. on the ocean for a week and, um, There's something about salt water, (laughs) but it brought up a totally different association. Which I've been Mm -hmm. experimenting with flotation tanks recently. Ooh, God! Have Have you done any of that? Four or
0: five other people I know. It's becoming
1: really hot. Apparently, Mm -hmm. what happened is, you know, like they were really big in the 70s and they were starting to grow, and then the AIDS epidemic hit, and people got really freaked out about transmission. And then whatever was growing around it, people basically they all shut down because Mm -hmm. everyone was concerned about the cleanliness of the water and stuff like that. And um, now, obviously, we know so much more about all this. And um. And the uh and the benefits of flotation tanks or deprivation tanks as a lot of people came to know them in the seventies, um, is becoming they're becoming kind of like this raid, especially in the tech mm-hmm. entrepreneurship world. There are a lot of people who are becoming devotees of flotation tanks. Um, it's a really, really interesting experiment too, you know, like it's like this bizarre thing of you're not in nature. Um but you're, you're floating weightlessly in water. That's, that's the temperature of your skin. So you can't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a thousand pounds of, you know, like magnesium salts in it. So you're, you're literally, you're, you're like four times more buoyant than the Dead Sea or something like that. Oh, wow. And, um, You know, it's pitch black and no sound or anything like this. So you go into your head really quickly, and you can like the sound of your breath fills your whole body.
0: And it's for like an hour and a half or something.
1: Yeah, I've done for ninety minutes or or um, it goes. You you go in at first and you're kind of like really freaked out. You're like, there's no way I'm gonna last ninety minutes. Like, give it ten minutes. And then ninety minutes goes really quickly. Actually, once yeah, is the, it really. Well, the first fifteen hmm. minutes or so, your head is spinning and freaking out, and then you're kind of playing, and bouncing off the side of the tank, and trying to like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like Ooh, this is fun. Um, Maybe and, that's just you, John. <laughs> <laughs> good could good be <deal>, so. <laughs> um yeah like because you, you're experimenting because you're just like you're floating on top of the water and you can't feel it and you and you actually sometimes well like you can't you kind of figure you feel like you're spinning sideways or something like that because you mm. but then you kind of settle in you just drop into this really interesting place but the other thing is that magnesium in the water transdermally absorbs and it's this tremendous mm. relaxation agent for your musculoskeletal system and um, so it, it's interesting it's sort of like um you know, so it's an interesting alternative. It's like when you can't get to the water. It's What's funny yeah. too, and this is all clicking to me as I'm talking to you, it's like I have a bunch of buddies in Boulder and who become diehard, you know, like three, four times a week floaters.
0: Really? And floaters like, huh, floaters maybe, is not I a good I word know, to I use. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. We have to change the terminology somehow there, right? Um but yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Maybe they're actually water people, and they don't even really know. It. Yeah. Like this is how they're satisfying their Jones. Like that because it does something to you. But um, but what I found out recently also is that is that the um the uh, mineral content, especially magnesium content in ocean water, is substantially higher. Hmm. Um, so it's at, not in all actually, because I guess you would float a lot more. Um, but um, yeah, that's part of the effect of ocean water too. Is yeah. that actually it's got this really interesting mineral content that when you come out, you tend to feel just ah
0: uh, because Alive, yeah. it
1: literally you get all this transdermal mineral into your body it's kind of interesting oh, that's interesting um although for me just being near water kind of does it. it's just so too.
0: expensive it feels like you can go forever on it it's mm. it, it's very calming and peaceful it just makes you go ah because nah. you can't often see the horizon right it's just there's something beautiful about it nah. and it flows um I have done scuba diving, especially in Mexico where they forgot to fill up my tank. Oh and my I was God. trying to remember all the symbols to go, uh, I think I'm gonna die. Could when did you, you get me to the top? This? I went down and I was like breathing really hard and nothing was coming out and the guy's like, Is everybody okay? And I'm like, Not really, think I'm gonna die and he just shot me up to the top and he's like, I'm so sorry we didn't fill up your tank. I was the oh only one. God. Um but other than that I've had amazing experiences diving. I like snorkeling as well and I used to do diving, you know, like off the diving board. Just I just play in water all the time.
1: Mm.
0: Handstands.
1: So um, what happened I asked you that you think is important to talk about? Um, what do you want to talk about that nobody talks to you about?
0: Do you know what's really interesting? It's something that I'm starting to discover, and this may not be relevant for everybody, but nobody really talks much about if you have been a traveler or if you have been transient or if you have been living even in another country, how do you integrate back into your society before even if you've been away for five years after college or and I don't think I talk about it a little bit in my book but I wasn't sure myself like what is the outset and Kate Brubecker actually has created a great book on re-entry because nobody really thinks about the fact that when you go home and you've changed and you've had all these experiences from even just living in another city or traveling the world you are a totally different person and you go back to a world that was the world that you lived in. Mm. And everybody's doing often, it seems, the exact same thing they were doing. And you suddenly can't relate. And it was really interesting because I've been back to New Zealand three times now in the last six and a half years. And each time I've gone back, I felt a little bit more like a stranger. And I even had this conversation with my mum when I was home. And it was right around Christmas Day, you know, and all those emotions come out. And she's like, well, you are like a straight, you know, like we're so proud of what you're doing, but you're off in this other exciting world and it's amazing and we're just here being boring. And I was like, but you're not boring. You know, you live in a great city and you lead really rich lives. But I didn't realize what an impact that was. As, As you go away, you expect to come back and get everybody asking about what you've been doing. But to them, it's like you just came back. You know, you haven't been gone for ages. And they don't sometimes know the questions to ask, to dig deep and find out what you've learned and how that would relate to them. And you go back with this attitude of, oh, all these people are doing the same thing. That's kind of boring and everybody's stagnated, but that's not true. Um, That is something that I think is really fascinating that should be talked about more because it can really hit you Mm. and change you when you go back.
1: Do you go back with judgment?
0: I, I used to. And mm. uh, each time I've tried to drop a little bit more of that. And this time I'm going back with I am fully prepared to integrate into society, to meet new people, to become a member of the community, and just to be a local, which is really new for me. Mm. Um, I'm also fully prepared to go back as an aunt for the first time, as a sister, as a daughter. And I'm just going to be. Like, I'm not going with an agenda. I'm not running off quickly. Uh, I'm really going to be there and just be a Kiwi again. Mm. Which is a colloquial term for New Zealander, just in case people don't know.
1: <laughs> not the fruit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or the bird. You know it's actually a bird? I did not. So it's our national emblem. It's a flightless nocturnal bird, really, really shy um, and with really poor eyesight. I'm not entirely sure why we picked that as our <laughs> emblem, but the kiwi is quite an incredible bird, lays enormous eggs, but only comes out at night and is very, very protected.
1: I know some people like that, actually. <laughs> I don't know about the egg part, but about the, the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. One of your biggest values is?
0: Freedom. And what does Freedom. that mean?
1: Freedom.
0: Well, it means One so different things. One of my favorite ever, George things. Michael Solomon, by the way. Yeah, it's so good, huh? <laughs> um, well, this is the thing. The thing. This is the thing. Freedom means so many different things to so many different people. But to me, and I am stealing a little bit from Leo Babata here, it's, being at that place in your life when you get to do what you want with who you want, when you want and where you want. Like that's the ultimate version of freedom in my life. And for a lot of other people that have asked that question, but for other people, it's completely different.
1: Yeah. So tell me you've traveled the world and you've seen um, places where people would probably make assumptions that, you know, this is massively oppressed. There's no sense of freedom and probably other mm-hmm. places where people would be like, these are the freest people in the world. And your experience has been sometimes the exact opposite.
0: Yeah, like um, one of my fondest memories was being in Laos, uh, where the Mekong River runs through the entire country and it's very calming and beautiful. And the people there have so little, like the roads aren't sealed and uh, they live in kind of these huts and, you know, in the dirt with their dogs and their cats and their children just running around bare feet and wearing nothing. And they seem so happy, you know, they're all about family and loving and living off the land and such simple lives and they just seem so at peace. And when we were there as there with a bunch of Americans and English guys and they're all like, Oh, poor people, you know, so naive to the rest of the world and they don't have basic health care and all this stuff and they don't have, you know, nice cars and nobody really has cars and I was like maybe they don't need any of that. We've got it wrong. Like maybe the fact that, you know, we're in New York with huge rentals and um, all these things you have to buy and spend money on in order just to survive. Um, maybe we've got it the wrong way around and that the simple life, the good life, is, uh, is way more freeing than anything that we can buy.
1: hmm so, so for, it's like
0: a really interesting observation.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because we do make so much. We so many people when you talk about freedom, um, maybe it's just a United States thing. Maybe it's a a Western country type of thing that mm. we kind of the first thing that pops into our mind is is money, and that if you yeah. have it, you must have a certain amount of freedom. And like, how do I get mm-hmm. in my freedom? Well, I make enough money so I don't have to work for the man anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but maybe it's that, always maybe that's not money.
0: It. It's I don't think it is Like sometimes freedom is just the ability To sit and do nothing all day Because you can And you don't need a lot of money to do that I think the best things in life are free It's like the festival in the park It's like just lying on the grass And looking up at the clouds I mean I know we're getting a little la-la there But those are the most beautiful moments And they don't require any money It's laughing with your friends It's you know walking down to the Hudson River And just being able to take it in
1: mm. Yeah I totally agree with that mm. Um, yeah, which I'll throw out this phrase for you, right? Um, so I don't, I don't curse a ton on this, but, but there's a phrase that both you and I know. And a lot of people know that's been thrown out to me a lot recently. And I've had some interesting conversations around it and the phrase is fuck you money. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is basically enough money so so that (laughs) it's like, you know, like I got X millions or tens of millions or thousands, however you define it in the bank. Mm Mm-hmm. Where I can just say F you to anybody and do anything I want. <laughs> and I know people where their big aspiration is to work as hard as they can until they hit the point where they think they've got the F you money in the bank and then they'll be able to choose freedom.
0: Mm. See, that doesn't work for me um for many reasons. By the time they get to that point, they might be old. Or they might get there and go, oh my God, I actually really loved working and I loved doing this stuff and being busy and doing all these things every day. And they might feel like they've lost the sense of their identity and they can't take that freedom and actually just relax and be. Um, and second, it's a little like the whole Tim Ferriss thing. You know, he was really trying to say, you've got to start taking mini retirement breaks right now because tomorrow or in five years or 10 or 20 years, like that's a long time to wait for freedom. Why can't you choose it every day in just some small format?
1: Yeah. Um, And the other thing is.
0: Who are you hanging around with, by the way? I haven't actually heard that that much. Maybe I I'm I mean, hanging with like, the wrong people. Right. I'm like in
1: New Yorkers and like, like tech entrepreneurship and stuff right, like yeah. this. It's kind of a, you know, like New Yorkers tend to just let it all hang out. Like, <laughs> you know, you, we swear like a comma. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Uh, but, but the other thing is, you know, like it's also assuming that you're going to survive long enough to get there, mm-hmm. which you may not. Um, That's true. And and the other thing is that it's working on the assumption that when you get there, it will be enough. Mm -hmm. And very often what really happens is when you get there, you say, just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes this spiraling cycle that is constant, you know, like just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And you find yourself 20 years out having spent the last 20 years of your life, you know, doing something that you had no interest in, in the name of just a little bit more. And then you look back and you're like, what happened. Exactly. And and is that freedom?
0: One thing I've observed a lot, and I know it sounds rich coming from me because, you know, I'm single, I get to gallivant around the world, I don't have any dependents, um, is that people are like, yeah, but I've got to make this much money in order to do this thing. I can't just leave it all. But if you choose, for, we'll come back to New York City, if you choose to live in New York City, you have chosen one of the most expensive cities in the world. You could go to somewhere else in the world with excellent infrastructure, great you know English if you need to be around there and live like a king or queen for very little so ultimately every single day you make a choice and freedom could come to you a lot more quickly if you chose to be in a different place for example in a different culture
1: yeah no, I totally agree and I have this conversation with my wife it's like, you know, like we choose to be on the upper West side of Manhattan mm-hmm. you know and and but and Just it's a choice care. and you know like you can <laughs> like you hear people all the time it's like oh New York is so expensive it's crazy and these are people who live here mm-hmm. it's like yeah, it is. Right. But as long as you make the conscious choice to be here, you know, either just be okay with the fact that mm-hmm. you're going to pay gobs <laughs> more than it would cost to live somewhere else and then figure out how to build your your life, your career, whatever it is in a way where you're okay with that and you're mm-hmm. still living well or move.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Anyway, also, I'm glad we circled back to this.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: So um, this is the name of this is uh, Good Life Project. So if I offer that out to you to, uh, to live a good life, what does it mean to you?
0: Oh, I'd love to say that I do it every day. It means being at peace with the decisions that you make every day and to lead the best life for you that makes a difference in your world and in others.
1: Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Jonathan. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Natalie. So interesting to hear how People go about building different careers around what lights them up and also how one person's, you know, sort of dream and fantasy life, fantasy career can be so radically different than other people's. I mean, it's so interesting. I have so many people who travel around the world and live fairly nomadic lives and they make great livings and they absolutely love the freedom it gives them. And um, I hang out in New York City and, and I love just kind of having a home base. I'm a bit of a homebody. And um, so it's really neat, I think, to explore the differences in what lights people up and um, and really figure out the fact that really, no matter what you're doing, there seems to always be an interesting way, especially in these days of technology flattening the world, to build, to craft both the the living and the lifestyle that you want in an intelligent, deliberate, and respectful um, way. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off for Good Life Project.